0: Hey y'all, it's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bo coming to you for an episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We are recording on Wednesday, September 14th. It's about 10 o'clock. It's been a while since we've recorded, but uh, Josh and I wanted to get together tonight. Josh, how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Pretty standard evening as we cre- creep closer and closer towards media day when I feel like things are really going to start popping off and we'll be back in full swing, man. Well, and and
0: I think we kind of ought to just hit that off the top because we've not been recording as much simply because there hasn't been as much to say. Um and I I record like we we work real hard in the season, probably too hard. Like when I get into a rhythm, I just kind of want to work 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 because it makes the days go by, it's fun, it's enjoyable, but when there's not as much to say, there's there's just a, a little bit of an opportunity to one get in trouble and two just sort of make something where there isn't anything and you know, we're we're inching up bit by bit. Media day is a week from Monday. That'll be a lot of fun. I I have some. We have some kind of. We have a loose plan at Maps Moneyball because again, we're all either volunteers or lightly paid um addicts of basketball. So, you know, we all do this kind of where we can fit it in, and we have like a loose plan to start rolling out coverage. But, you know that that just might not happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we we might wait until after media day. I I don't really know. I know my my boss will be thrilled to hear that comment. But either way, you know, that's that's sort of where we are with that. So I apologize for not having a more regular schedule, but because, reg, you know, posting regularly and giving y'all something to to listen to and read about is actually really important to me, but I don't, you know, I've not really wanted to stir controversy or anything by accident. So so here we are.
1: Hey, those uh Talking to, like, uh, I don't know if I, I said this on the pod, but I, I joke in our Slack that you are NBA media shadow broker, um, if we have any Mass Effect fans that Love it. Are, are listening. Uh, and I've loved that you've used those connections. I've, I listen to every single one of your uh, talking to teams in the Western Conference. Like Those are those are super fun. As someone that when the off season hits, I kind of empty my brain a little bit for sanity. And it's like a perfect way to be like, oh, yeah, this is this guy's on this team. You know, this is what this team's doing. Like it was a nice like refresher course for for kind of easing back into the season. I kind of like I like.
0: Well, in in hindsight, you know, we just we get a lot of things that are served up to us in the sense of, you know, when you go into playoffs, you know, you're just going to beat down content because there's people that are interested. It's a peak. It's like outside of free agency and trade deadline playoffs are basically when your bread is buttered. And we worked really hard. We worked re- and for a team that, we, you know, we didn't expect to go to the Western Conference Finals as analysts and writers, bloggers, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And so when you do that for two more weeks, I think like by the end, we were all kind of gassed. Then you go straight into the draft. Then you go into free, uh, free agency and summer league. And then when, so, you know, free agency was just kind of, you know, it was just kind of like, well, let's see what happens. Maybe something will happen and just nothing materialized. And that's just, that's kind of the way it goes. And, you know, I, I think next summer, uh, because you know the NBA is back on a regular schedule barring another worldwide pandemic um, knock on some wood there Jeez. Um, but it, it's like like maybe next summer I think both of us will have a better feel about how to kind of re- I'm going to try to work next summer to figure out a better plan for like regularly putting out content like I was just tired because I've talked about yeah. this with other other people that do the beat and it's like we really kind of worked on and off you know, we, we, you know, I took over March, 2020, you started putting together all that content that summer where it's just trying to make it through. Then there was the bubble resumption. And basically when you go from the bubble and the tail end of 2020, uh, straight through to the end of the season, there were about four and a half total months in like a 20 and basically a, a, a 22 month period that we had off. And it's just not the same when it's, you know, you take a couple of months and then you're right back in basketball. And now we've literally had a real break. And, you know, this World Cup and World Cup, excuse me, this Eurobasket stuff has, has been a little fun, you know, has been a fun interlude. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But beyond that, it's just there's not it, it's it's just it's kind of nice. Like, it's nice to have a break in the schedule. I don't I love basketball, but I also want a mental break from the Mavericks because it makes me appreciate them a little bit more.
1: Yeah, for sure. We get to catch up on. On real life. And I think, you know, me and you probably go a little crazy, especially like during playoff time. You know, you were you were doing we were doing our podcast and then you were doing like podcasts in between games. I mean, and I was we, trying we had, to write a story after every playoff game like we we, we had burnt the candle at both ends. We had 45
0: to 50 podcasts in the month of April, and <laughs> uh, April and May each month. Like, because I was, and granted, some of them are those ten-minute hitters, but like we're really just pumping out work, and you know that's kind of, you know, the real life aspect of this is where it's like you. I kind of do this to to not want to say escape real life, but it's it's you know when work sucks, burying yourself in the Mavericks can be nice, and and that's sometimes what what I think a lot of people do, and we do it even from from the fan point of view, but. You know, speaking of real life, there's a there's a you know something a, a lot of our our friends and peers and people we look up to around the media industry have addressed, and we just want to real quick as well. Um, our former colleague at, at Mavs Moneyball, Jonathan Charks, uh passed away over the weekend after a long, long battle with cancer, um, and. You know, last summer, when I was packing to move to Texas, we got the information about like the Bobby Corrala, Jeff Skinway, Nick and Isaac were doing uh, a thing at this place called the Pub McKinney because people wanted to raise some money for Charks. Um, I think at that point in time, people knew Charks had cancer, but it was, I don't think that the depth and sort of the scariness of his diagnosis had really permeated to people that were. Uh, that read his work granted he wrote about it and it was kind of out there in the open but it felt a little bit surreal because you know he's 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 even open about it where he's like well i might have 18 months a year that sort of thing and you know you i was out of town and i was talking to a lot of people that were just like really like shaken by the diagnosis like it was a, a thing that nobody really wanted to like You, know, it's like not you're going to talk about in social media it's things you exchange texts about it's just like this is terrible because mm-hmm. he's a young father as are we, um, and you know we knew him way back when, frankly, and it, it shook us and you and I just yep. said, okay, we're, we're gonna do a GoFundMe because a lot of people wanna go to this thing out in McKinney, we can't. And we set a $1,000 goal that we blew away <laughs> in 15 minutes. We set a $5,000 goal that we blew away within like three hours. And then we just kept bumping it up. And by the time the fundraiser came around, there was in the neighborhood of $45,000. A donor, um, I want to say it was Isaac over at um, uh, Locked on Mavs was like, basically like, I remember this vaguely, Isaac can probably clear this up, but like an anonymous donor was like, I want to put you over the top at 50,000 and donated $5,000. And we were all, I I just remember this because it was like, first time I'd met you in person, we're all over there. We're looking at the charts and Charles had just come out of a chemo round; and did not look good. I mean, his spirits were great, but he did not look good. And it was lo- it was really wonderful to be able to say, "Hey, we're we're doing this for for your family." And that was last summer. But the GoFundMe stays open because GoFundMe's can stay open over the last year. And I get email updates about this because we're in charge of it. Um, it goes straight to his wife, but it's like we're like the account holders, so it, it just sort of sat yeah. there open. And I would get update reminders well when he went into uh hospice last at the start of the month eh, labor day um i started just pushing it out there again jeff skin wade and ben rogers and a number of local media people started picking it up and it raised another um sixty thousand dollars for the family because you know it's people just wanted to do something and then when he passed away on sunday um Bill Simmons and the ringer and all these people started pushing it out too. And as of this podcast, as of this recording, it's sitting at $305,000 for his family, which is, is it's 5,500 donations. It'll probably pass 6,000 donations by the, by within a week. Cause people are just going to keep giving to it. And I, I, I spoke about it for a while because speaking about sharks is, is slightly difficult because I, yeah. I, I, he he was not my best friend. I talked to him, we texted regularly enough. He was a great guy who also had a short time and I did not want to take up that time of his. We he, we knew him when he wrote with SB Nation Dallas and we we I sort of fought to keep him on our masthead when that site closed because I just thought he was a super talented writer. Yeah. And he, he we were right. <laughs> he was incredible. Yeah. And watching his his rise and the fact that he had like it's it's hard to understate his sort of q rating <laughs> like you know, like if 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 i died tomorrow people wouldn't be doing this <laughs> like, <laughs> you know sharks is everybody had great feelings about him for good yeah. reason and and you know he was such a smart mind and it's one of those things that that i just i, I kind of have a hard time contextualizing both what he meant to me f- as far as reading about him basketball but all uh, but also what he meant to me in terms of his just being a com- just being his own man in a in a media world where that is so hard to do
1: yeah he and i i knew him probably uh less than you know you did i i probably saw him two to three times a year and it was usually either at like an event where we would, we would go, you know, if there was like a Mav media media meetup or something, or it was at a game in the locker room. And I I've shared this already a couple of times, but it's, it's all I think about when I think about him, because uh, I just didn't, I didn't know anyone else in my entire life who was like this. And it was, he would seek me out. Um, you know, like, like we'd be in the locker room. I wouldn't even know he's there. And he would, he would like come up behind me and, and be like, "Hey, Josh, how's it going?" And he would immediately just start asking about life updates, about things that no casual friendship, which is probably the most generous thing I could say about our relationship, should know. Like for a guy that would only talk to me two or three times a year, he remembered names of family members, remembered my wife, would remember when we got married, would ask about, you know, hey, you know, how was your honeymoon? Did the wedding go okay? Um, if I talked to him at the end of the season about like trying to find a new apartment and then I would see him when the, ne- the next season starts, he would be like, Oh, how, you know, how'd that go? Like, you know, did you guys find a new place? How are you liking, you know, I, I moved to downtown Dallas. uh, You know, when we were talking at Mavs games, how do you like this? You know, how do you like being in the city? You know, I mean, just like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't, he's one of one. I don't know anyone in my life. I've never met anyone that had that kind of, kindness and thoughtfulness and that's that's what makes this you know really hard and I know a lot of other people you know there's been some incredible tributes written to him and the money raised and I think I said you know the 300,000 is incredible and but like the number of donations like how that number got to be is like just goes to show how many people you know he touched and I think for me another reason why this was especially hard was you know I mean, cancer is a pitch and the fact that he got diagnosed and it was kind of like emotionally the way to pro- like, pro- it was like someone you knew got into a car accident and was gone, but like that inevitability, but he was still here. Like he, this was a form of cancer that, you know, we read about and he told us about, like, he wasn't going to make like, make it. And I think the that was just really hard, um, you know, emotionally to know that he was just not going to be here one day. Because, uh, you know, you just think about, you're like, you're going to fight this, you're going to beat this. And yep. and he definitely fought as hard as he possibly could, and he gave it hell. And I think he was here longer uh, maybe than expected, but that's the part that was just like a gut punch. It was just like you would see him, and you talk to him, and it was just like this extended thing where, like, just the clock was ticking, and that was just really brutal, and I can't imagine how that was for his closest friends, his wife, uh, his his child. Like, that's, don't wish that on anyone in the world, but I mean, man, his attitude – and then his attitude. Like, I don't know how – he just – he was still Jonathan. and Like, he was still Sharks. Like, his optimism never wavered. I, it was just – he was a remarkably strong, kind, thoughtful person, and I don't think I knew anyone else like him, and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I
0: I've thought a lot about him because – I think that, you know, when you, when you talked with him and you realized how serious his, his diagnosis was, and he and I went out and grabbed barbecue probably within a month of me moving here. And it, he was pretty direct about that. So it's, you know, I think we'd all, it's still shocking and sad, but there was like a, a sense of sort of making peace with this. It, particularly mm-hmm. if you've dealt with death in any sort of your friends or family or sort of it's, it's the grieving process is particularly when it's like long coming is is, is different for everyone, but I'd sort of, you know, it's it sort of accepted it in a, in a way, but I, I keep thinking about what he, you know, just sort of how he, he fought it and how he uh, just sort of lived day to day in a way. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Simmons told some really good stories today on a podcast that him and Kevin O'Connor did it just about how he made people feel a P a, a comfort, like the kind of things he would just ask you. <laughs> which were amazing and like then there's the the kind of the thing that that people have danced around uh a little bit some some podcasts and things have addressed it a little more directly which is good because i think it's good um he was very he was a very devout christian in a way Mm. that i i he lived out loud i think is the best way i could could explain it he would talk to you about his faith openly um he would not want to make you uncomfortable but it, it, you know, for 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 a lot of Christians, most like they're told to spread the word of God, and he would attempt to do that in every possible way, making people feel as comfortable as they could. And a lot of people don't like talking about this sort of stuff. I grew up in this sort of household, um, and I'm you know not really don't really you know, I'm fairly lapsed. I'm sure I'll get some DMs about this tomorrow, but <laughs> it, it's the way he would approach it was one of genuine interest in you as a person. And no. that just kind of encompassed the way he approached things. Um, and I will, you know, I will miss him. I will, th- I have a lot of his stuff bookmarked probably just in, in perpetuity because the way he wrote was so unbelievably good. It, it's, it, it, he was, the way he wrote and the way he spoke where there were no wasted words, no. every, every when I did podcasts with him, you'll notice they're often like 15 to 20 minutes long because he would say what he meant and he would get out. I am a rambler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like, it's, we all are. It, it's so incredible. Like where you go read his work, there is no extra. There is, it's like a scalpel and you know, any aspiring writer, I really recommend you go read his stuff. It, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, I don't know. We've. And then,
1: we've, yeah. and And then like another part of it is like, obviously he was a great basketball writer and but i almost feel like that belittles his talent in a way because sure. as you saw you know in you know his last you know year on this on this earth uh he wrote some really uh touching pieces about grasping his own mortality and part of me was reading that and i was like fuck like you should have been like we could have gotten that. Like you should have been writing other stuff other than the ba- Like you could have been writing about more important stuff than basketball. And I know he did on the side, he wrote about his faith and he wrote about like, he had personal blogs that interest him, but like he was, he was more than just like a good basketball writer. He was truly, truly a brilliant uh, a thinker and, and writer yep. just in general. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a shame, but uh, seeing the response is kind of, my it's not. No, way. it. it yeah, that
0: know? that is extremely important to acknowledge because the internet can really suck, yes. and people can really suck. And this is just like I read all the comments. I read every comment that comes in through this thing, and people genuinely appreciated sharks. And you know, money is not ever. It's 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 just something that people wanted to do. Something is what it kind of comes down to. They wanted to do something. For sharks, you know, to, to and and you know, it, there's probably other things. You know, I, I got I just got sent another, um, another a link about um, a sarc like a sarcoma fund, um, that that I'm going to share here in a little bit because cancer research is incredibly important and it's just it's 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 just wild. Like, so much of this stuff is is in a like when what we do is like, honestly, it's an avoidance of real life. <laughs> That's why yeah. we do it, and when this stuff sort of you know. Comes out of nowhere to hit you on an idle Sunday, like I, I was not, I was not having a good Sunday as is. Like I have a a six year old boy who is all of my, all of me but six. Which I can you imagine? (laughs) And and it's just some days are difficult, and then you know you hear something like this, and it's just it it was it was a lot. And I I've liked talking about it with people. I think one thing that um folks are not very good at is discussing grief and. There's nothing wrong with being sad. And I you know I've I've really I I've liked to see people share this and just sort of express how they feel. So well, as usual, I I don't try <laughs> Talk about it briefly. Then yeah. we talk about it for We don't minutes. do anything briefly. That's okay. No. Well, there is some basketball stuff to talk about. Mavericks basketball stuff. So we're, uh, like I said, we're recording on um, the uh, what is it here? The Wednesday, the fourteenth, and today in the rat in, in the quarterfinals of the uh of of Eurobasket, Slovenia played an an upstart Poland team filled with guys that I had no idea who they were, <laughs> and they were beat thoroughly. Um, at one point, they were down by twenty points. And it was sort of a sum of all fears match. So Zoran Dragic was hurt, got hurt in the last game. I think he tore a thigh muscle. So that hurt L- L- Slovenia's sign of, kind of wavering depth. Um, what I saw in this game, and I'm, I'm probably going to get corrected because I was like working while watching, but the, re-bo- the rebounding for um, Slovenia caught up with them. Like Luka basically was the only guy on the team who could grab rebounds. Uh, The reffing was awful, but the reffing is always awful. Um, You know, Luca did his, you know, he got texts at the worst time. He also fouled out with three minutes to go. Um, In all honesty, it was probably one of the worst big game performances I have ever seen from Luka Doncic. Uh, It was that bad. Um, He beat himself up pretty bad in the postgame because, you know, as a country with two million people, Luke Luca's always going to give them a chance, but bites at the apple, there's a limited number of them in terms of these international competitions, which is why they're so important to this country um and to the team. And they just they they've they've had some some bad beats. They've Luca didn't play defense all tournament to to a degree. And some of like things just caught up with them at the worst time. Um and they rallied all the way back in the third quarter. But then they lost anyways, and that was, there's Luca Luka and Slovenia had played with sort of a sense of inevitability at certain points during this tournament, and Poland just punched him in the mouth. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of why why we love watching basketball and why you love watching sport, because number one, the 40-minute game meant the mark, like, if, if Poland could just hold them off a little longer, and that's what they did. It was, it was real, and watching Poland celebrate was really cool. Like there was yeah. like, I, I just I had a great time watching this tournament. I'm probably gonna keep like watching out of the corner of my eye, um, and yeah, it's phew, it, I, I'm not really sure what to say about Team Slovenia because sometimes you just you know sometimes things just don't go right, um, and and you know the they have World Cup qualifier which they're iffy on that though with some of the group play I think there's still a chance but with the way that the qualifiers occur the next set of qualifiers like Slovenia will be missing like their top six players.
1: So yeah. it's, it's a little
0: dicey for them. Did you happen to catch any of it or were you just following online?
1: Uh, I was just following online. Cause I am a cheap bastard that does not subscribe to ESPN plus. Uh, but I did think like, it, you know, it was kind of shocking to see Poland go up like that huge second quarter. And, mm-hmm. and like just reading it, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Um, and I think I, Uh, You know, I saw the post-game stuff and I could see how dejected Luka was. And I think, you know, with Serbia and Jokic losing uh, and Greece getting knocked out early as well, you know, there was... I know Germany was still there, you know, with Franz Wagner. And uh, they're going to be... They would have been a considerable challenge. And France was... They were going to play France. And France and Slovenia have had some crazy Mm -hmm. matchups lately. But I think when Giannis and... Uh, jokic exited a little prematurely there was kind of a sense of like this is slovenia's tournament to lose i, I don't I, may, I might be reading that wrong you know especially with how germany was catching on and, and france is still you know they still you know, they're still good like they were they're not has-beens or anything like that with gobert uh on that roster but it, it just the the sense of following the team and you know we know so many slovenian fans now online because of luca you know they were they had a sense of like man we we're gonna do this like because they uh, we're gonna win Eurobasket again because I then they win it you know a couple of years ago before Luga got drafted if I if I remember right um, uh-huh. so I so like to lose the you know to Poland they don't even get to a third place game like that's that's tough it's not like they lost to to Giannis or Jokic team or France or Germany or even Spain you know a team with. A European team that has some 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 background, some some skins on the wall. Uh, I can imagine this was really tough, and it sounded like Luca took like you could get the sense of how tough the Slovenians took this loss by Luca's post game comments. So
0: yeah, well, I mean, Gor- Goran's, Goran's done. Like Goran is not going to play in any more international competition. Yeah, that's this was thing. yeah, and it's sort of you know there's there's just passing of the torch because i'm sure there there are slovenian players i don't know about but goran Goran is special um and he was really important to them in this tournament uh you you got an element of watching this of both why we wanted the mavericks to sign him and why the mavericks didn't want to sign him (laughs) um I think he's a big time sixteen game player, but I do think there's a lot of credence to the fact that Jason Kidd would not be thrilled with his just inability to play defense. It's not that he doesn't want to; it's that he's 36, mm-hmm. um, and there's just I, I get it. It's I've, I've settled on that cause a little bit. It would have been really something if they had made it all the way because that he would have been a big part of that. But you know, Luke was yeah. really banged up too. That was yeah. That he was had
1: a good. he had a like a bum ankle going into this game, so. Uh, I mean, that's definitely led to to his sluggishness or sloppiness for sure.
0: Yeah, and now they have you know it's like what we said there's a week and a half. So on the twenty seventh is the first day of practice. So he roughly has like thirteen days off to to before they start doing stuff. And for all we know, you know he could be heading back to Dallas in a few days to sort of get things going again. Um, I, I think that. He I think he looks pretty good. Uh, I think that I, I saw there's elements of what you see when you watch him play in Eurobasket of things that he does for why he is so effective in the NBA, but also why we want him to play differently in the NBA. Some of the passes that he makes, the 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 pass ahead stuff, like the Mavericks, like they just don't do that. Ben Ben uh Zadell wrote a piece for it's like, please push Mavericks. <laughs> and I just don't, I don't know why they don't. I, I, is it, is it because the game's eight minutes longer? There's, there's just stuff like, is it, does he not trust the finishers? I mean, that, that could be a thing, but it's also, you know, because there's so much, there's so many bodies in the paint, like watching Luca basically have to, to operate and really pick his spots and in getting into the key and Eurobasket was something, hopefully in the NBA, I know the competition, the, there's bigger, more athletic guys in the NBA, but it's just there were games in this EuroBasket tournament where he was shooting like eighty percent from two, and, yeah. and it's like, dude, just live inside, please. The three ball will come if you live inside, because then they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play off him, and and it's sometimes he just takes those threes because he's like, Ugh, I'm gonna take this three. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm meandering and rambling at this point.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've seen, I mean, what his second season, he was basically LeBron at the rim in terms of efficiency and volume. Like that's kind of how he ascended from his rookie year to all NBA Luca that we know. So, uh, I mean, he's got such like for as, as wonky as his three point shot can be, he has insane, like an insanely beautiful touch in the paint. Um, so, I mean, honestly, every time he drives in the paint, and puts up a shot, I'm, it's almost like a Dirk mid-rangeer. I'm just like, oh, that's going in. Like whether it's a floater or he's falling down or, or it's a layup or a drive. Like I mean, he's he is that good in the paint. So uh, hopefully, you know, he can live there this season. And hopefully, you know, he's not coming into camp weighing whatever it was he weighed yeah. uh, last year. And and we can tell watching these games, he certainly doesn't look like the Luca that started last season. So that's a good sign. But I also know that Luca has shape-shifting powers and 13 days off could literally mean he could look like anything when he comes into training camp. Yeah. So yeah. so I'll see. I'll just, you know, I'll just wait and see until media day and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. There's, you know, a Dennis, Dennis Schroeder still playing Schroeder. Yeah. Is that how you say his last name? I'm always bad at that. Even though Brian, Brian Schroeder is like one of my best friends and I screw up his <laughs> name as well. Um, I there's a lot of like clamoring. It's like, oh, are the Mavs going to sign him? And and I'll just say I don't see it because if they were going to sign him, they would have signed him is is where I land. Do you have any thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, I think there's just too much baggage there. Um, the Mavericks have had opportunities to acquire him, I feel like, for years now. I mean, how many times does his name come up in 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 trade? Uh, talks and rumored with the Mavericks because they needed a point, you know, like yep. before Luca was drafted, they needed a point guard in the worst way. Like in the final years of the Dirk era, uh, when they're rolling out Raymond Felton and stuff like that, like That's he right. was always, he was always a name that I was like, Oh, well, the Matt, you know, he's just on the German national team, you know, but they never happened. And when you see the way that he leaves teams, like every time he left the team, the the team he was on felt like they were, they couldn't wait to get rid of him um and when you have Dirk on your roster if he's not you know I would imagine at that time if Dirk was like hey I get this guy I want this guy they would have gotten him and yeah, and Dirk would know him a little bit better you know being a part of the German national team so uh I never got the sense that Dirk particularly thought he was a good fit which maybe tainted how the Mavericks organization felt about him and then Jason Kidd coached him in Los Angeles for his one year in Los Angeles Kidd was there and you know kid got a front row seat to that guy and if they haven't signed him yet uh i'd have to imagine that means uh maybe kid isn't wasn't too impressed with him uh in la so like there's just too many too many forces going against it but i mean who knows i mean knowing how the world works and this league works i mean if i wake up tomorrow and see that they signed him to a one year minimum i mean sure it wouldn't shock me but i i just think there's too much stuff going against it with the history with kid and, and the Mavs history uh, as an organization.
0: Yeah. I, I still think they're just sort of playing the field. Um, yeah. they're going to see if there's anything out there, they're going to be reactionary because that's sort of the only options that they have. I uh, I, it is not the Mavericks fault. This new, this new re- regime, I hate that word, this new front office. <laughs> um, they're having to work with what they have which are the result of the previous front offices decisions and even then you know when i'm totally sober and calm i will say i understand a fair amount of their moves it's just things haven't worked um this might be the medicine you know, this is the take in their medicine year. Now, the thing that I have to reconcile, and I talked about this today earlier, to, earlier today, I went on a Twitter space, the the 77 spaces with my friends, Jazz, Jose and Rollo. Um, they talked, they, they let me come chat on their show a little bit. It was fun. Um, and they Jazz asked me, you know, where do you think like the Mavericks fall in the pecking order? And I said, in terms of talent, they're outside the top six. Like they just really are like you go through and you look and they're in this kind of morass of talent. Now I can't see a Luka Doncic team in the plan. I just can't. So how does that work out? That's really, you know, that's sort of the the irreconcilable issue in my head right now.
1: Well, it's you follow the formula. As long as Luca has one other ball handler shooting and a roll man, the team's pretty good in the regular season. So uh they still have that. I know they lost Brunson, but I mean they still have Dinwiddie, they still have their two wing shooters and Bullock and Benny Smith. You hope Hardaway gives you something, and then you've got Wood will give you something offensively, but you know, even not, you still have Maxi and you still have Pat like you know, they they still have the bone.
0: We didn't talk about
1: that. Oh yeah, three years, (laughs) like eleven million per. Yeah, he he, he basically say, got extended
0: for like how much the caps going up, right? Something like yeah. that. It's pretty, funny. which is fine. And it's like yeah,
1: it's the, the rate is fine. The only thing that's going to be weird is he'll be thirty four, I yeah. think, at the end of it. So I wonder. Uh, his, we'll see how he he, he
0: might age like a banana left on the countertop. Yeah. But who knows?
1: Yeah, but for now, it's fine. Even if he does age like that, it's not a number that's gonna. It's not going to kill you. So yeah. Um, do you want to talk about like I I think I'm going to write about this before the week's over. But since we're kind of hinting at it, do you want to? Mentioned like what Zach Lowe and Tim McMahon talked about on the, their pod on Lowe's podcast, I think it was last week. Tell
0: they me. Kind of, I I listened to it and then I told people to write about it. Now I can't remember what it was. What, they, what was it was
1: they basically talked they basically confirmed they're kind of doing what you've been saying, where like, you know, Lowe mentioned, you know, Mike Conley would be a, like a really good spot for the for the Oh Mavericks, sure. but, but they both kind of were like, Yeah, but this team is not trading first round picks for for role players like they're right. they are waiting to get all their picks and back and save it for the next big uh trade and that's kind of what you you've been saying that you've been saying that since the season ended i feel like like that's what they're gonna do well uh, it's, and it it, makes, it's it makes it makes sense
0: it's just so like the market had shifted underneath them yeah. like danny ainge and these these idiots in minnesota have completely <laughs> screwed everyone at least the Donovan Mitchell trade in Cleveland makes some sense, but even I think that's an overpay. Like, what are we doing for not top 20 NBA players?
1: Yeah. That's crazy. And if, if that guy, yeah, so it's like, will you trade a future first for Boyan Bodanovich? You know, will you trade a future first for Jordan Clarkson or even Conley? And it's like, well, that move doesn't those that move will help, but does it put you over the top? And I, you know, that's where it's questionable. And then it's like, okay, well, now you're down another pick that you're waiting, you know, like this team is just always down picks. And when you look at it, like the KP trade was like their one big shot for Luca's rookie contract. Didn't work, yeah. but they took the shot. Well, Luca's starting his second contract. Presumably they're going to have enough assets to do one more big trade. Yeah. 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 And you get, cause you know, you keep doing, you keep trying, you know, I've been telling the Mavs to hit singles and doubles instead of swinging for home runs. But at this point they're so, asset strapped it's like they're just pushing the debt down the road if they keep trading these first so i just i'm fine with them just holding off you know especially now that we've seen what the team can do after that western conference final run i think that gives them a little leeway like i think we feel even with the off season, i think we both feel pretty assured of their like floor in the regular season so now it's like okay they need a second all-star how are they gonna get it let's they gotta give this pick to new york they gotta free up you know, free up their picks uh, so they can make another trade. You know, I don't, I don't blame that strategy at all.
0: No, you got a with Luca and I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of covering the team. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to be different. I, it, it, it's just the, the off season was just so peculiar. I, I, I want (laughs) to, I'm I'm still kind of reluctant to say it was terrible because I was probably the most annoying. I was wrong, but I was early on. I was like Luca and Brunson don't fit. Um, I was just this doesn't this doesn't work. But then it did work, and then it didn't matter that it didn't that it worked. (laughs) Brunson went elsewhere, so it's like it's pretty stupid. Where it's it's like they found this formula and they went away from the formula. I'm not. I I just I a lot banks on other people stepping up that aren't Luca and it it banks on them all stepping up kind of simultaneously. And that just seems like a risky maneuver. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, they just don't have, you know,
0: we'll see. I mean, we'll see like this, this could be fine because it is, you know, it kind of, comes back to the fact is, is long, you know, I I said this earlier and I I could be wrong, but I feel like from January 1st on the last two seasons, the Mavericks have won 60% or more of their games. And so what if, just just what if they didn't shit the bed the first two months (laughs) of the season? Like that could change the trajectory of everything.
1: It could, for sure. And I think probably the uneasiness comes from the fact that they've just sort of boxed themselves in in terms of how they can improve. Like, you know, they don't have two or three young guys at the, on you know, toward the end of the bench that they can be like, okay, these guys are going to be, we're going to develop these guys and they're going to be starters in two years. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some optimists will yell at me about Josh green and Jaden Hardy, but like, I don't think those guys are blue chip prospects that you can hope that are, you know, they're, they're not going to have a top draft pick that they can use. That's going to they you know, like, yep. and they don't have cap space. So like their, their options are wait for more cap space or make a trade and they just, when you, those are your two options, I can understand, you know, maybe the worrisome about like, well, what's the backup plan? Like what if they can't make the big trade? And, you know, that's, that's right. where the worry comes from. But I mean, you know, that's kind of the, they, they made their, they dug their, they made their bed. They have to lie in it kind of thing. Like there's nothing, sure. you can't change the clock now. Like this is the path they have to go. They can't, I and would love for like, them. I would love for them to take on a horrible contract and like get a first round pick. Yep. Like I would Which love, love for them done. to do that. They've they don't do that. They've done it they will they never ne- do it and and i just, it's just cuban something did. they don't do so
0: we probably should have been more prepared cuz cuban had a comment about I this know. midseason tournament and then like the, the the like like i think we should expand the draft and like i have so many comments about mark cuban wanting to expand the draft that we could hook. i'm not going to say <laughs> any of them
1: you just want more not- picks to trade bingo <laughs>
0: Okay, we've had fun. We've talked for longer than we intended. I don't know when we're going to be back because, I don't know, lots of real-life nonsense. Like, you know, some of the people who follow me, like, my dog had brain cancer or might have brain cancer and then had the brain tumor removed, so he might be okay. Like, just lots of, like, (laughs) feelings this week between, you know, losing a good friend and dog and everything, and it's just like, I don't want a podcast but i do want a podcast about the matter because like i'd like like we've talked for 40 minutes
1: yeah we didn't right. even have a run we didn't even have a rundown or anything no, i just was
0: like hey let's go, let's and go. Then we started <laughs> talking. so well you know we'll see um if we start doing season preview stuff then i think we'll probably record but this might be the last one for this week maybe i'll do a green room friday just to see but we'll see you got anything else uh that's it let's get out of here all right. Kirk Henderson, Josh Bow, Mavs Moneyball After Dark, uh, come to the website. We've had you know, some fun content, but mm-hmm. we'll be ramping up again soon. You guys, I hope you're enjoying the start of football season or whatever else that you're doing before Mavericks basketball starts because pretty soon we're going to be back in it. The relentlessness of the NBA is coming. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk soon.